you think they'll catch you? No, I don't think they'll make it to the door in time. Okay, you have to, you have to like, really run. Yeah, I'll go. go. <laughs> Hi. You're listening to A Jew and a Gentile. I'm Lauren Burns. And I'm Hanin Razouk. Guess who's the Jew? An ancient business, a modern piece of glasswork. Down on the corner that you walk each day in passing, the elderly says... Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile. On this podcast, we talk about the sacred and the secular. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells his Jewish disciples how his ultimate plan is to include all of humanity, meaning all the Gentiles as well, in his grand scheme of redemption. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, meaning people of non-Jewish origin. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, both Jew and Gentile, one shepherd. While God's people have historically been the nation of Israel, through Jesus, the Gentiles are grafted into this one family, one flock. And in a way, we try to do a similar thing on this podcast. As Christians, it can be easy to think of a world under two umbrellas, the sacred and the secular. Under one umbrella, we have our Christian context, worship artists, sermons, the Wickham, <laughs> etc. Under the other umbrella, we have modern day cultural artifacts that aren't explicitly Christian. But if we truly believe that God's ultimate plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things under Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, Maybe we need just one umbrella, the umbrella of Christ's kingdom. While the secular artifacts we examine are not by themselves inherently virtuous or even God-centered, we aim to analyze them and graft them into our perception of reality to seek out a possibility of their redemptive purpose under Christ's umbrella. So welcome to the journey. Here's episode five. It's not a skeet time. In quarantine this week, Nina and I have been, how you say, bored to death. So we decided we need to get out of the house and actually do something. But in doing so, I almost witnessed Hanin's actual death. Okay, you're being a little bit dramatic. But last night, because we're still high school at heart, we decided to ding-dong ditch our friend's house. Yeah, and if that doesn't tell you the pent-up quarantine insanity we've been experiencing all week. <laughs> so we got the car stationed for a fast getaway. I jump out, run to the front porch, and press the doorbell like three times. We have the side car door open, ready for Hanin to jump back into. And after I ring the doorbell, I started running across their front lawn, but then I spot a car that's dashing down the street. So in a split second, I'm confronted with a decision. Do I stay? Or do I go? And in the meantime, I also see this car jettisoning down the street like OJ down the five. And I'm thinking, Hanin's totally going to get caught by this house because there's no way alive she'll run across the street in front of this car, right? Yeah. And then I see Hanin running across the street right in front of the car. And I start screaming as the car's headlights literally lit up her figure in the middle of the road. And I'm thinking I'm about to witness the death of my roommate, like, great Gatsby style or something. So as I'm sprinting across the street, I can feel the headlights illuminate me. And all I can hear is the sounds of my housemates shrieking inside the car. And I think to myself, wait, like, am I actually going to be hit? But I was fine, obviously. So I got back in the car and we pulled out of that neighborhood like we were being chased by dead people. But honestly, seriously, I praise God because... 
I literally do not have time to find another Jew to do this podcast with. And uh, that's just, yeah. So you're alive and you're here. Yeah. Praise God. You can yeah, I would, I would be some pretty hard shoes to fill. So yeah. you're welcome. Pretty hard Jew shoes to fill. Our cultural artifact this week is Phoebe Bridger's album Punisher. Phoebe Bridgers was born in 1994 in Pasadena. She began playing guitar and writing songs at age 11, and by the time she was a teenager, she frequently played around the L.A. area while also attending Los Angeles County High School for the Arts by day. She kind of emerged out of nowhere in 2015 in the music scene. In the space of just a few years, she was collaborating with music veterans like Connor Oberst and peers like Lucy Dacus and Julian Baker as millions of fans started to connect with her work. Yeah, so today she's 26, and Bridger's music dwells on mortality, obsession, and heartbreak, some really uplifting themes. Um, She explains that she'll write certain lyrics and finally understand what she meant by them years later, like finding a key that unlocks a mysterious room in a house that you built yourself. Phoebe says, in astrology, you look to the universe to find yourself, but I do the opposite in my songwriting. I look into myself and find universes. Phoebe Bridgers has witty lyrical perspectives, sadly beautiful songs, and commanding melodies that quickly propelled her to worldwide acclaim. Her first album drew significant praise and attention, giving way to darker tones on her second album, which we're going to be discussing today, and that is Punisher. So this album, Punisher, was released in June of this year, and it's full of superstitious imagery, which she uses to reveal larger truths about the innate horrors of the world. For example, in her lyrics, UFOs are actually government drones. Lovers are described as vampires, and a skinhead neighbor gets buried in a beautiful garden. It's sort of this odd blend of surreal and earnest. It's totally different, far more emotional than her wry Twitter feed, even though both her social media and her music have similar themes, like hating yourself and reflecting on bygone relationships. On this album, Punisher, Bridgers describes her own inner demons by inhabiting a series of haunting personas, one being a Punisher, someone who overruns a conversation by talking too much, another a copycat killer, and yet another a keeper of skeletons. When describing her depression on the track, I See You, she compares herself to a dog who can't get up from the lawn with a morbid double entendre. She sings, I've been playing dead my whole life. For Bridgers, the scariest thing seems to exist in the familiar, within ourselves and the bonds we have with each other. Her album Punisher asks the question, what if real life is the nightmare? What if we are the monsters? The second question we always ask on this podcast is, how does our cultural artifact better show us the grace of God? But like always, before we get there, I think we need to do a little more unpacking, starting with our own personal experiences. So Hanin, what was your first experience listening to Phoebe? Yeah, and listening to Phoebe's album, I think I felt like I was re-experiencing an emotion that a moment from my childhood had evoked in me. It's sort of like a nostalgia mixed with a sense of being overwhelmed by the reality of my own past that has brought me into what I'm experiencing now. She does a really good job of tapping into a certain aesthetic and color of sadness that feels really genuine. 
but I am going to be super Jewish here and complain. <laughs> I you. do have a yeah. I do have a hesitancy to the shade of darkness that her music also brings to life. I think this darkness comes from a misidentification of the root of her sadness. She is a realist, which I love, but her realism doesn't feel like it's met with a sense of true hope. Mm. Yeah, so I started listening to Phoebe probably just like three weeks ago, honestly. I was texting um, one of my friends asking for new music and he told me to check out Phoebe Bridgers. So I kind of had her name like on the back burner in my brain for a while. And a few weeks ago, I was up super late one night working on a Spanish project and I pulled her up on Apple Music and I started one of her albums and I kind of just stopped everything I was doing. It kind of felt like her sound was just this embodiment of my own introspection, which is weird to put into words. Um, I've had this experience with a few different artists other times, but Phoebe really makes this list for me too in, I don't know, reminding me of myself in a way. So hearing her music that night was both lovely and horrifying in like the oddest mix. It was lovely in the sense that it felt like pieces of my thinking clicked into place. Like the reality she was singing about was a reality I know too well, one that I felt actually relieved that someone else experienced along with me. But at the same time, it was kind of horrifying because, excuse my Greek mythology analogy, <laughs> I felt like Odysseus on his voyage home from the Trojan War. And in order to make it home successfully, he had to get past the sirens, which are these Greek mythological creatures that lure sailors to the rocky shore, their destruction, by the sweetness of their song. And Phoebe felt like one of the biggest sirens I've ever heard in my life. Her sound is beautiful, yet haunting. And that night I first listened to her, I knew I would encounter kind of my own destruction if I didn't engage with her music critically, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally does. So as we've unpacked Phoebe Bridger's music, specifically her album Punisher, this week we have centered our observations around two guiding questions. What is Phoebe and what does she give us? First, we're going to make the claim that Phoebe is a realist. Phoebe's realism is both refreshing and dangerous. To me, it's refreshing because it acknowledges this deep truth that society really doesn't operate out of. That being, life is really, really sad. And I say this because I think I've had kind of an odd fascination with sadness since I was little because it can feel like, honestly, like the realest and truest emotion. Um, and when people live in a world where online shopping and coffee dates superficially fill the holes in their hearts, which I'm not exempt from either. It just feels hollow to me. So being pretty emotional myself, I'm often struck with sadness where so much of my life hasn't measured up to my expectations of beauty and perfection. Like I get sad that past memories are not my current reality or sad that no matter where I move, be it Los Angeles or Washington, D.C., it never quite feels like home. And then at the same time, I get sad when I reflect on the reality of how much I have and then how little I thank God for it. In this album, Phoebe talks about her creepy reoccurring dreams that haunt her. How one day she'll look up from her phone and maybe actually see her life and also the reality of living by a hospital and constantly hearing sirens. There's a refreshing quality to her work because it's real. There's so much of life that is really hard. You can even say honestly depressing. And Punisher does a really good job of acknowledging this. 
Yeah. But on the other hand, however, Phoebe's realism is a bit dangerous, kind of like how I unpacked with the whole siren analogy. There's this element of hopelessness with no direction, like you're just kind of a victim succumbing to hard situations. Yeah. And reality is not just hard. Reality is also really beautiful and really joyful, really hopeful too. We need both of these truths to best understand reality and to navigate our present lives, our memories, and our future plans. Yeah. So the second question we want to answer is, what does Phoebe's music give us? First, if you connect with it, Phoebe's music gives us a picture. In listening to Punisher, our friend Chrissy said that she feels like Phoebe articulates and recognizes a picture that Chrissy feels like she's been looking at her whole life. In listening to Phoebe's music, she's better able to process this picture. Now, not everyone loves or connects with Phoebe's music, but if you do, it's like Phoebe puts accurate sounds to the question of, what are we looking at in this gallery of life? Yeah, so similarly in his book, The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis says in relation to this whole picture idea that finding someone who sees the same version of reality as you is pretty rare. Instead of a picture or painting, he uses the metaphor of a landscape. He says, you've stood before some landscape which seems to embody what you've been looking for all your life. And then turn to the friend at your side who appears to be seeing what you saw, but at the first words, a gulf yawns between you. And you realize that this landscape means something totally different to him, that he is pursuing an alien vision and cares nothing for the ineffable suggestion by which you are transported. So if you connect with her sound, the beauty of Phoebe's music is that she's not one of those people in Lewis's analogy. She doesn't look at your life landscape and give you a trite reply to it. She sees it too, the good parts, the hard parts, and feels the weightiness of it. And that really is just a relieving feeling. Yeah, it's like if you're someone who relates to the picture Phoebe's painting, it makes you not feel like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my reality when I first listened to this album. It kind of reminded me of like, When you meet a new person who you think feels a little sketchy, but all of your other friends think they're just the greatest, and then you finally interact with someone who also is a little scotched out by this new person, you're like, thank you. Someone gets it. Someone understands. So while Phoebe gives us a picture, her music also gives us a mirror. A mirror I would actually describe as a little bit self-obsessive. The entirety of Phoebe's album is like reading a long diary entry complete with memories, weird dreams, lonely ideas. It's very personal, and it's all very much about herself. And as we were discussing Punisher this week, a common critique was that Phoebe feels a little self-centered, dare we even say, a little narcissistic. The word narcissistic actually comes from a Greek myth. Narcissus in Greek mythology was the son of the river god, Cephasus, and was distinguished for his beauty. According to the Metamorphosis of Ovid, when Narcissus was still a child, it was prophesied that he would lead a long life only as long as he did not, quote, know himself. Narcissus became known by others for his beauty, and he was arrogant because of it, rejecting many who fell in love with him. When Narcissus came to a pool in Thespiae to drink from its water, he saw his own reflection in the pool and fell in love with it. Narcissus was unable to obtain the object that he had fallen in love with, being himself, just as so many other of his suitors had been rejected by him. Narcissus knew himself and fell in love with himself, yet ironically was not actually capable of loving himself. 
which led him to despair and sorrow so deep that the myth actually ends with his death. Yeah. So just like the prophecy predicted, his pursuit of obsessive self-knowledge led to his death. The mirror that Phoebe gives us in relation to this in this album feels a little like the pool of thespiae. It's a little self-obsessive. There is an element of knowing yourself that is helpful and good. There is also a tendency to believe that in holding up this mirror of introspection or in looking in this pool of thespiae, you will somehow find your ultimate freedom and purpose. This turns a helpful tool, which is healthy self-knowledge, into self-deception. Yeah, healthy self-knowledge stems from a right view of oneself. Scripture says that man is created in the image of God with inherent worth and value. The human race, however, rebelled against God. And as a result, the human heart wants to greedily continue in this pattern of rebellion. But as Paul says in Ephesians, humans who believe in Jesus are God's workmanship, created to do God's work that he prepared for them in advance. So in summary, what is scripture's view of humankind? Humans are a mix of things, valuable, sinful, made to glorify God, and to live in loving community with each other. This is a biblical and healthy view of self. The danger in Phoebe's mirror of introspection is that certain healthy elements of self are taken away. For example, the fact that there is more than just one human and that all humans are subject to a very gracious yet very just God is an element that's missing. Hmm. When one's view of self becomes isolated to a mirror that only reflects one person, that being themselves, there's some deception taking place because a healthy view of ourselves includes us in relationship with others and in relationship with God. All right, so now that we've unpacked this a little bit, we can get to our greater question. How is Phoebe Bridgers' Punisher a grace from God? Punisher is a grace from God because it does a great job of explaining half of the picture. Yeah, in our Friday dialogue this week, a common theme we discussed in the context of Phoebe's album was depression. As we've communicated, this album hits our sad bone pretty hard. It's a great reflection of love and loss, of struggling with identity, problems with parental figures, etc. Punisher does a great job of sitting in real-life pain, confusion, and misery that we often experience. And yes, that's a grace from God. Why? Because without knowing the truth, we can't fully experience the beauty of grace. The reality of a world without Christ deserves our despair. In Romans 3, Paul says, No one is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We have a dark and rebellious world. Phoebe knows that to her core, and she portrays that beautifully in her album. Without this acknowledgement of complete despair, the grace of Christ's intervention wouldn't be nearly as rich. Mm. If we lived in the reality that life isn't that bad, we can just put a smile on and get through it. If humans are actually really good at heart, then Christ's coming to redeem us doesn't actually even seem necessary. Yeah. Phoebe knows real destruction. She knows real hurt. From an initial mindset of despair, The hope of the gospel is literally the best news in the world. The God who created you and me became man. He lived a sad and painful life. He sacrificed himself on the cross for the sake of all humanity at large and you and me on a personal level. And he lives today, offering us an entry into eternity with him if we repent and believe in Jesus. 
That's news to sing about. That's news to give your life to. The God of the universe would step into this dark, despairing world that Phoebe sings about. How can we put words to a grace like that? Yeah. And in order to see God's salvific grace, we need to understand who we are without redemption through mm. his son, Jesus. Phoebe's album, Punisher, is a great starting point, a great first half of the picture. Sadly, though, it seems as though Phoebe misidentifies her sadness as stemming from life's circumstance or even from reality rather than from the true fundamental cause of human grief, which is an absence of communion in the garden with our real creator. And when you misidentify the root of your fundamental sadness, you cannot arrive at the true hope and answer to that sadness, the resurrected Christ and the hope of communion with him for eternity. The third question we ask on this podcast is, how do we practically respond? So we want you to ask yourself, who are you in this art gallery of life? Are you the one looking just at Phoebe's picture of a despairing world? Are you the one only facing the image of the crucified Christ? Or are you so zoned out on this museum tour that you're unable to take in either image? Are you operating from what Pascal describes as the bustle which distracts? Ask yourself, what am I focusing on in this art gallery of life? What are you most drawn to? Despair? Blind optimism? Distraction? How can you balance out your view of reality this week? Things have never been stranger. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd like to give a little shout out to Chrissy McQuilkin, Joe Young, and Cy Bryan for dialoguing with us on this week's cultural artifact. Thanks for taking the time to listen, guys, and have a great week. But things change. Another night in those, another sign of life.